Hello, welcome back to Emotions and Potions. A love slash hate letter to with your hosts Ashton and Alex. Welcome, welcome. This week you've caught us just in time to dive into the Dark Olympus world once again. Book three time. Book three with Wicked Beauty by Katie Robert. And like we said, this is part of a series and we've already done both other books, which is Neon Gods and Electric Idol. So we're on a roll with our Greek mythology. Yep. Can't be surprised if you listen to the book Journey episode. Not at all. And then also the fact that we've covered the first two books at this point. So. And this is like a brand new release. Like it just came out. I don't know why I said release that way. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it it just came out and we pre-ordered. So we're like, let's just get this episode out. Yeah. I mean, by the time it actually airs, it's going to be a little after the fact. Okay, Alex, so before we go into Wicked Beauty, we have to do our content trigger warnings. The customary warnings. And then with Katie Robert, the customary tag. Alrighty, so are we ready for this? So here are some content warnings for Wicked Beauty. Abusive parent, assault, attempted murder, blood, abusive ex, miscarriage. That's a side character off-page historical. The trope that we have for this book is enemies to lovers and oh boy. Is it enemies to lover? Oh, yeah. And moving right along into our tags. This is my favorite part with Katie. And, like, explain what Katie does. So when you go to Katie's website and you click on the book, she has the different little bars on there. So you can get the content and trigger warnings. You can get the tropes. And then she has one that says tags, which are usually kind of funny little anecdotes about the book. And they're really just cute, witty, comical Yeah. You know, like they are funny. So let's, I'm just going to, I'm just going to start reading these off. Okay. This is an MMF romance, which is male, male, female. So we are going to have. Swordplay guaranteed. Sword cross guaranteed. That's Katie's tag. Are you not entertained? Arena competition. Fighting to fucking. Sex as an escape. Forced proximity. You're in danger. So you have to stay in my room. Only one bed, but we'll protect you. Eventually, you're going to leave me, and so I'm going to enjoy every moment until you do. What the fuck do you mean I am the prize of this competition? I'll be competing for my own hand. It's a poly romance, open relationship. So those are just some tags. You'll, as we kind of go through this book, if you haven't read it, you'll start to understand how, how these, this makes sense. But yeah, so <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in this book. So Ashton, my dear, why don't you hit us with that back of the book synopsis? She was never ours to claim. In Olympus, you either have the power to rule or you are ruled. Achilles Callus may have been born with nothing, but as a child, he vowed he would claw his way into the poisonous city's inner circle. Now that a coveted role has opened to anyone with the strength to claim it, he and his partner, Patroclus Photos, plan to compete and double their odds of winning. Neither expect infamous beauty Helen Cassios to be part of the prize or the complicated fire that burns the moment she looks their way. Zeus may have decided Helen is his to give away, but she has her own plans. She enters the competition as a middle finger to the meddling 13 rulers, effectively vying for her own hand in marriage. Unfortunately, there are those who would rather see her dead than leading the city. The only people she can trust are the ones she can't keep her hands off of, Achilles and Patroclus. But can she really believe they have her best interest at heart when every stolen kiss is a battlefield? A scorchingly hot modern retelling of Achilles, Patroclus, and Helen of Troy. So as far as synopsis go. That's a good one. Not too bad. I mean, you know you're going to get a competition. You know you're going to get like this 
poly threesome sort of thing. And it's going to be steamy because it tells us it's scorchingly hot. So yeah. uh, it has to be. So, Alex, now that we have the synopsis out of the way, letting our wonderful listeners kind of know what this book is going to be about if they haven't read it. Normally with these books in the past, we've kind of gone into a mythology section. Mm -hmm. Because this is based on... Greek mythology. Greek mythology. And so you have a bunch of kind of the stuff that we're going to be seeing from Greek, Greek mythology translated kind of. Yep. And, it can, and it can, I feel like it can throw people off with the plot if they aren't familiar on the myth. Okay, so let's, let's get into some of these mythologies. All right, so Helen is the most beautiful woman in the world. She's the daughter of Zeus and Leda. In childhood, she was abducted by Theseus, but was returned home by Chiron, who's a centaur and trainer of the heroes. He trained Heracles and also Achilles. I think, is he the Phil character yeah. in Hercules, the animated he movie? Is. Yep. <laughs> She was returned home by this our, our centaur dude and her brothers. When it was time for Helen to marry, she had multiple suitors, and there was going to be a contest for her hand. But Helen's father was fearful of the fallout with all of these men vying for her hand. So the solution was for all the suitors to swear an oath to defend the chosen husband against whoever would like come after them, if there was any sort of war, retaliation whatnot everybody had to swear allegiance and menelaus who was the king of sparta and king agamemnon's brother was chosen to be helen's husband paris the prince of troy was to settle a dispute between the goddesses hera athena and aphrodite and award the golden apple which was the apple of discord to the most beautiful goddess each goddess presented her case and reward if Paris chose her and ultimately Paris chose Aphrodite and her prize was to present Paris the most beautiful woman in the world to be his wife which was Helen who was already married to Menelaus. Later Paris goes on an ambassador trip to Sparta and hope to bring his aunt back to Troy where he meets and falls in love with Helen and he forgoes his mission of peace to get his aunt back and steals Helen and King Menelaus's gold and treasure. And this begins the Trojan War. Achilles is supposed to be the greatest warrior of his generation. And he is the son of Thetis, who is a sea nymph and sea goddess, and a king. And he was dunked into the river Styx to make him immortal, but was left vulnerable at the part of his body, which he was like being held and dunked into. The Achilles heel. Yep, his left <laughs> heel. And later in his life, he enters the Trojan War alongside Patroclus, who is his squire and assumed lover. Originally, Achilles fights alongside the Greeks, the people of Sparta. You know, because remember there was that treaty. Helen got stolen. They all have to come together. So in the mythology, Achilles is on the side of getting Helen back. Mm -hmm. okay. But after being betrayed by Agamemnon, Achilles no longer wants to fight. He's done with this war. And during one battle, Patroclus goes and leads the siege disguised as Achilles, since he's no longer fighting, and is killed by Hector, Paris's brother. A distraught Achilles goes back into battle to avenge his friend and lover's death and kills Hector. After Hector's death, Paris, with the assistance of the god Apollo, shoots an arrow through Achilles' heel, his one weakness, and kills him. Damn, man. Why are Greek, I guess, Greek tragedies? I was going to say, why are Greek <laughs> tragedies so sad? Because it's, it's a tragedy. The name. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
So Troy eventually falls, and Helen does get returned to King Menelaus. All right. So that's the backstory. And Very all, simplified. <laughs> yeah, no, most of those players, besides the kings of ancient Greek mythology, play a role in Wicked Beauty. And I didn't realize, I kind of knew, from just you listening, this is the first time I'm listening to this, I knew the basics, but I didn't realize like how all of, they, how all of them were actually connected yeah. through history. They're so mythology. interconnected. And like, as we go through the book, you'll obviously find out, but I'm just going to say, nod to Katie for some of the things when you were talking, I was like, oh my God. It makes sense Oh my now. God, it makes so much sense of what Why happens. she picked these people to appear and in. And like, just whatever happens in this book. Yeah. I'm kind of like, oh shit, she did her research, which she always does. So I don't know why I'm surprised. All right. So we kind of have, we have our synopsis. Our history lesson. We have our history lesson. lesson. We've given you those tropes, content warnings, and tags. So the last thing before we head into our debrief is the potion. So Alex, what drink do we have today? So I have made for us the apple of discord martini. I know there's going to be some correlation. So can you share what your inspiration was? X, Y, Z. So the cover of the book has a golden apple amongst green apples. And the golden apple is the apple of discord that was presented to the three goddesses that kind of started the whole Trojan War. And it's also the cover of the book. Okay. So it's basically an apple teeny, but I did add some gold luster dust to it. Which is so freaking cool. It's so, it's sparkly. It's yes. glitter. It's glittery, it's sparkly, and then it did turn the martini kind of a golden color to kind of match the apple of discord. Love it. Is it kind of bad that when you told me that you bought edible glitter, my first instinct was, oh my God, what sex stuff is she up to? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, no, it's for food, you weirdo. It's for food and drinks. <laughs> Thank you for thinking my sex life is that But like how you sparkly. said it, you're like, guess what I got? <laughs> edible glitter. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> what are you about to do? But yes, I love, I don't know if I can ever drink anything without this glitter again. Well, thankfully, I have a whole bunch of it now. (laughs) It's so cool. So you said that this is just a normal apple uh, martini. So it's just vodka and... Apple pucker and some sour mix. Okay. Oh, very simple. And it's green. So it's on brand with the apple. Yeah. Green and gold. So let's try this bad boy. Yum. Sweet and tart, just how I want my green apple martini. Yeah, it really does taste like a, um, it tastes like a green apple um, Jolly Rancher. Yeah. It's really good. And it's like just, just the perfect amount of sour sweet. If you want it a little bit sweeter, you could add some apple juice to it. Ooh, I do love apple juice. But this is really good on its own. Well done, Alex. Thanks. I approve. Once again. People are going to be like, she she definitely likes alcohol. If she's liking every single drink that is prepared for her. Like, this bitch is obviously lying. (laughs) (laughs) But what you don't know is I do try to like plan these drinks so Ashton will like them <laughs> since I know she's not a big drinker I'm like if I'm gonna make her drink I'm gonna try to at least make her enjoy have her enjoy it and you do so far so good so that's a skill thank you friend you're welcome <laughs> okay are we ready just to dive into Olympus and meet up with Helen and Achilles and Patroclus let's get into it start us off all right <clears throat> so we're introduced to Helen as she is running late to a party being hosted by her brother, Zeus. The man who held the Ares position has recently died, and this party is announcing the tournament that is associated with the Ares position. That's how they put someone in power for Ares. 
There are three trials, and the winner gets to be Aries. Helen has a plan to nominate herself for the position. Helen runs into Eros, and they have a really nice exchange where he ends up fixing her hair for her, which was really cute. It was. I loved this whole interaction with Helen and Eros. Yeah, because book two was Eros's book, and him and Helen do have a pretty good relationship as far as relationships go in Olympus. In Olympus. And yeah. being a part of the 13. And they, they kind of see each other as, like, siblings. So, yeah. like, he's always looking out for her. So, like, they're, like, best friends, brother, sister. And so by this point, Eros and Psyche have been married for about three months, and their displays of affection gross Helen out. She has, like, inner monologues about how disgustingly in love they are. Relatable. Someone's jealous. <laughs> Helen then tells Eros about her plan of becoming Ares, and he's surprised but supportive. Helen makes her entrance, her late entrance, and Zeus scolds her and tells her not to go far because he has an announcement to make. Zeus makes the announcement about the tournament, but throws in one more prize besides becoming Ares, a marriage between the winner and his sister, Helen. So Helen is once again a prize. So very on brand with the Greek mythology coming out of the gate. Yep. There's going to be a contest for her hand. In this book, it's kind of cool that Katie threw in the Aries title, Mm -hmm. and that's the competition. It's not solely a competition for Helen. Brilliant. Really smart. Achilles and Patroclus are in attendance, and Patroclus isn't surprised by the announcement of marriage. But Achilles is shocked that Aphrodite, who is Helen's sister, has chosen Helen. Achilles doesn't like that Helen comes with the title, because he can see through this plan. Helen, coming from Zeus's family, it's very strategic within the Olympus hierarchy. So he's kind of like, no, not a fan, not here for it. Achilles and Patroclus are in an open relationship and have been for about a decade. They start to take the contenders and it's a nomination system. So Zeus starts a ceremony, Paris, Helen's ex-boyfriend is the first person to step up and announce that he is going to enter. Is going to enter. Followed by his brother Hector. Are these names ringing any bells? Who Hector, who Achilles actually respects. Mm-hmm. He actually kind of seems like a good family guy yeah. and is just there to protect Paris. Yeah, cuz like Hector is married and has kids and he's just there to help Paris. Yeah. Kind of like how Patroclus is just there to help Achilles. Right. So Ajax, a former Ares commander and friend of Achilles also steps forward. And Ajax also plays a part in the Trojan War. So again, great nod to the mythology. Left him out because... He's not that big of a role in this book. He's just, he's there. He's a great warrior. Yeah. The next person forward is a female by the name of Atalanta. Two strangers then step forward. And their names are Theseus and the Minotaur. Remember, Theseus, in childhood, stole Helen. And also, Theseus is the person who took down the Minotaur in Greek mythology, but they're working together in this one. Achilles is next, and he works under Athena as her second in command, and then Patroclus follows him, and like you said earlier, Patroclus is just there to assist Achilles in making sure that he becomes Ares. So they're just tag teaming. They're a team. Ultimately, Achilles is the wanting to be the winner. Yeah, built-in alliance, built-in someone to look out for you. It's smart. I mean, think of like you know, Hunger Games, how they had alliances. and So Achilles was an orphan, and his only family is Patroclus. 
Achilles has always wanted to rule as Ares, and Patroclus is only there as an ally. Patroclus feels bad for Helen, so Achilles promises to take care of him and Helen when he becomes Ares. Very much seeing into that just fuckboy vibe from Achilles. Oh yeah, like just <laughs> macho man, like, this is what I want, so I'm gonna get it. And then he, the, just the audacity to be like, don't worry, hon, like, I'll take care of all of us. Like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> So it's after the party, and Helen confronts her brother Zeus, sister Aphrodite, and sister-in-law Hera. Talk about a fucking family, man. After the surprise announcement of her hand in marriage, so obviously Helen had no idea this was happening. She is pissed, but both of her siblings tell her it's her duty, and all of them have sacrificed things for their family slash Olympus. But, like, could you clue a bitch in beforehand? I don't understand why people like to go behind other people's backs when they're planning things. It's like clearly they've seen how well that went with Demeter trying to like pawn off her daughters without their knowledge. I mean, obviously people just don't learn. It's kind of like the real world. They reiterate a strong Ares-Zeus alliance and how Helen will help solidify that. Helen tells her sister Ares, who is Aphrodite, that she would have established this alliance all on her own if they had just let her gain the role like she was planning on doing. Aphrodite doesn't like Helen's train of thought and tells her she wouldn't be successful with the other competitors. And you know something funny with Eris being the sister? So Eris is the goddess of discord, and she's the one who like presented the apple to Hera, oh. Aphrodite, and Athena in mythology to like spread discord and chaos amongst them to trigger the war. So it's kind of funny that like Eris and her character, we haven't really seen much of her, but, like, her character, she seems like she is very savvy and someone who, like, will take you down and cause chaos just because of... Yeah, because, like, remember in book two, Eris was the one that spilled the drinks drink. mm-hmm. on Aphrodite and Demeter. So Callisto, who is Hera now, who is also Psyche and Persephone's sister. <laughs> so Callisto... Hera, who is also Persephone and Psyche's sister, challenges Helen and tells her that she should still throw her name in the hat. Zeus comes back looking for Hera and makes Helen promise that she won't do anything to jeopardize her marriage. And she promises, even though she doesn't mean it. Zeus promises to make Helen a widow if her husband ends up being being bad towards her. Which is kind of like, it's like a backhanded compliment, where it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of sweet, but then you think about it, and you're like, but it shouldn't even get to that point. Yeah, it's like you're putting her in this situation in the first place that doesn't necessarily need to be happening. Because that's one of Helen's main arguments is to Zeus, is what happens if Paris wins? So it's kind of like she is trying to be like anything that will get her out of this. And that's one of the things is being like, well, what if the person who ends up marrying me is awful to me? And he's kind of like, well, then when that happens, we'll take care of it. But then you'd have to go through the whole process of finding a new Ares again. Yeah. Patroclus leaves a sleeping Achilles in their bed and makes his way to Athena's headquarters since people can still enter their names into the competition until dawn, and he doesn't want any surprises. So Patroclus is definitely the brains where Achilles is the brawn. Mm-hmm. So like, they make a perfect team. Because Patroclus is very Virgo energy, very Capricorn energy. Yeah. Very analytical, very numbers and like running every scenario where Achilles, hot-headed, Aries. He's going like, to charge right through. Yeah, he gives me like Aries energy, also a little bit of Taurus energy, also maybe little, Sag. And also kind of a little Gemini. Yeah, he's a lot of those, yeah. So as he is 
kind of staking out Athena's headquarters. He is surprised when he recognizes Helen entering Athena's building, but she ultimately manages to sneak up on Patroclus by taking her shoes off and coming up behind him and being like, hey. <clears throat> so Helen and Patroclus used to be friends when they, when they were in grade school and until his moms moved him out of the city to be raised. Patroclus is obviously attracted to Helen and thinks that she is extremely beautiful. Well, duh, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> Helen wants Patroclus to keep her bit a secret until it's announced, but he refuses, saying that he's going to tell Achilles. Helen asks if he ever gets tired of living in Achilles' shadow. He says no. Achilles is too brash and impulsive. He needs someone to anchor him. And that's exactly what Patroclus does. So Patroclus walks Helen to wait for the car she ordered, where Helen propositions him by saying that she's feeling reckless, and if he's feeling reckless, they can get into some trouble together, and then he can tell Achilles later in extreme detail. So Patroclus is torn. He obviously is very attracted to Helen, and Probs wants to get it on, but she's also now a competitor and is standing in the way for Achilles becoming Ares. He gently lets her down, and they almost kiss, but Helen's car shows up, and she leaves. Achilles wakes up soon after Patroclus gets back into bed, and Patroclus tells Achilles about Helen, which shocks him. Patroclus tells Achilles that him and Helen have a history, and that they were once friends, and that she propositioned him. So he's very honest. They're, they have very great communication. I really appreciate that about Patroclus, especially having the whole open relationship thing, that like he's just very like, hey, here's the thing that happened. He like didn't want to say it, but, like, he's going to. So Achilles becomes very jealous and demands that Patroclus show him exactly what happened, which he does give into. So Achilles accuses Patroclus of wanting to fuck Helen as he reaches down to grab Patroclus's dick and slowly starts giving him a handjob as they continue to bicker about Helen's advances. Patroclus then admits he would have slept with Helen if she wasn't destined to become Achilles' wife as the new Ares. Patroclus then goes down on Achilles until he finishes. Achilles then returns the favor to Patroclus and goes down on him until he finishes. So we're just having some good like oral sex moments. And you know, some good sex kind of really quick in the book. Yeah, this I mean, is like three chapters in. <laughs> I mean, thankfully this is an established couple already, so. So they both agree that Helen is totally off limits and Achilles doesn't like the effect that Helen has on Patroclus or on himself. Helen shows up late again to the party for the official announcement of all of the contenders for the Ares competition. Once again, running late. She can tell Zeus is pissed that she's late. Athena then starts to announce all the competitors where she announces Helen's name last, which causes brief chaos until Helen can put on her charm and win the audience. As she walks up to the podium, Achilles comes down to greet her and be a gentleman, where he taunts her about her becoming his wife when he wins. Fuckboy at fuckboy moments all throughout from Achilles. Yeah. Another one. He gives me like big like fuckboy himbo energy. Most definitely. They're led out of the party where she is put in a van with Hector, Paris, Atalanta. Paris begins to taunt Helen for not being strong enough to win and taunting her about him being her husband. And she does fight back with her words. She's not passive. Like, this is good, like, hate banter that's not sexual, but, like, actual hate. Because, again, Paris is her ex, and he is sucks. Yeah. He sucks. 
She then realizes that she is the chum thrown in the water with the sharks, since she is not only their competitor, but their prize for winning the competition. So it's kind of starting to hit Helen like, maybe this wasn't the smartest idea now that I've been announced as also the prize. Yeah, I could see how it would like rub the competitors the wrong way, but at the same time, they can't do much about it because then she is the prize at the end of it as well. And like with this competition, it's not to the death. There's a chance that you could die, just like with any competition, but it isn't like an actual gladiator-style competition. No. So, like, Helen should be fine, but there's also a chance that she could die. So it's kind of, it's a dangerous situation that she's finding herself in. The contenders have been transferred to where they will be sleeping and training during the competition. They are told that they will be grouped up in threes, and they can fraternize with the other competitors, but acts of violence will get them eliminated immediately. Also, trying to leave the grounds will eliminate them. So they are... Forced proximity, all the competitors are going to be in one central location and there's nothing that they can really do about it. They have a day and a half before the first trial. Achilles likes his non-exclusive relationship with Patroclus, but it's really starting to bother him how close he came to sleeping with Helen the previous night. Achilles is visibly irritated and Patroclus is trying to calm him down, which normally works, but it's not this time. Achilles, Patroclus, and Helen are the last three, and surprise, are now roomies. Hey. Talk about legit forced forced proximity. And I love how then Helen chooses the bedroom in between the two of them, which is really funny to me. Yeah, she tries to have like this power move of being like, if I'm going to be forced to do this with you two, then I'm going to make it... Like insert myself in the middle of it. (laughs) Make it more hard, like harder on y'all. Does it work or does it backfire? We'll see. We'll find out. So Achilles is also extremely attracted to Helen, but he's trying to fight it. So after Helen claims the middle room to show some power, Patroclus needs some time to process and be alone and makes Achilles promise he won't do anything impulsive, which he does agree to. As soon as Patroclus goes to his room, Achilles goes to Helen's and tells her that they need to have a chat. So the exact opposite of what Patroclus wanted. But an exact fuckboy move. Yeah. So in this scene, we have lots of hot enemies, tension, like banter here. Achilles tells Helen she has no chance. He is going to win and she will greet him at the end of the competition. Helen then brings in Patroclus, asking Achilles if he thinks Patroclus will ever hurt her. He then tells Helen to stay the fuck away from his man. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he said too. He's like, stay away from my man. Love that though. Helen also then taunts the fact that she knows Patroclus does want to sleep with her and then tells Achilles goodnight and dismisses him. Once he has been dismissed, he doesn't know if he's more jealous of Helen for trying to sleep with his man or Patroclus for having the chance to sleep with Olympus's precious princess. So he's torn because he doesn't know who to be jealous of. (laughs) He's like, oh, I want this woman, but fuck her. And she also wants my man, so fuck her. But again, I want to fuck her. It's a lot of a lot of emotions. So Patroclus is processing Helen's entry and trying to think logically through that and his feelings slash attraction towards her. He's interrupted by a knock on the door and it's Achilles. Achilles tells Patroclus that he went to see Helen and that she's a menace and they have a conversation about how off limits Helen is. They've that was already, already established, bro. We've already established this, but Achilles is just so hot-headed and impulsive he's going to do whatever he wants. Achilles then tells Patroclus that he is still thinking too much and he knows how to handle that. 
Achilles then unzips Patroclus's jeans and lowers between them. Achilles then goes down on Patroclus slowly. Achilles tells Patroclus that he is taking him to bed and to not be quiet. Patroclus very quickly catches on that Achilles wants Helen to hear them, and Achilles confirms that he's still a little jealous that she propositioned Patroclus. Oh. So enter a sex scene. They make it back to their room, and Achilles undresses Patroclus, then himself, and pushes Patroclus down on the bed and follows. Achilles reaches for lube and tells Patroclus that he wants him to come all over his stomach because he loves when he loses control like that. (laughs) They begin to have sex. Patroclus comes, followed by Achilles, who says, you are mine and I am yours. Say it back. To which Patroclus does say it back, but he is thinking about how this is only temporary because something that is going on like internally between Achilles and Patroclus right now is they both have the same fear that the other person is going to, like, move on and, mm-hmm. like, figure out that they deserve better than... And it's the same thing. But they don't talk about it. It's, like, the one thing they don't talk to each other about. So throughout the whole book, that is a very common theme, that both of them are constantly always thinking. And I think that's also why Achilles finds this is such a threat, because he's like, oh, my God, Patroclus is going to realize that I'm just, like, this big meathead, and he's going to get fucking Helen. But then Patroclus is also like, oh my god, Achilles is going to win, marry Helen, and I'm going to be left out. He's destined for greater things and is going to leave me behind. And get the woman at the end of it. So Helen can hear the boys going at it, and she refuses to touch herself to the sounds that they're making. But boy, does she want to. She wants to. She's thinking how self-destructive it would be to sleep with both men, but she low-key wants to. (laughs) Self-destructive and self-fulfilling in many ways? But can you, like, blame her in the slightest? No. Given that situation, I would be like, all hands on deck, let's go. Like, I don't fucking, <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> she leaves her room since there is no sleeping with all the noise that the boys are making and heads to the couch in the common area. She's thinking about how much she misses Hermes and Dionysus, who are, like, two of her closer friends. She's thinking about her shitty father and the trauma that he kind of left her with. She's thinking about Zeus and Aphrodite and how pissed off she is at them. She also, something that I really like, she starts to think about Hercules, her youngest brother, and how she misses him and how he was able to get out, but she doesn't have that option since she doesn't ever plan to leave Olympus. But we find out that they have had correspondence. They sometimes talk to each other on the phone. Which, if you've read the Wicked Villain series... And you should. And we have... We meet Hercules. So I love, I full circle, love shit like that. And she finally falls asleep on the really uncomfortable couch. (laughs) Helen wakes up and heads to the cafeteria area to get breakfast where she takes in the two outsiders. So that's Theseus and the Minotaur. She's thinking about the possibilities of them wanting to take over Olympus since that's a pretty plausible plan for the men. And it has, it's been attempted before. Patroclus and Achilles have made their way into the cafe and she knows instantly that they meant for her to hear them last night because Patroclus won't make eye contact and is low-key kind of blushing and Achilles is looking directly at her in the eyes with like this knowing smirk so she's like those motherfuckers did that on purpose (laughs) because remember Helen is also in the middle so it doesn't matter which room they were in she was gonna be hearing them 
She approaches them and calls them out by saying, next time you want to mark your territory, why not just pee on his leg instead? So that was directed at Achilles. And then she follows up by saying, unless it was an invitation, Annie, use your words next time. And then she just leaves. Get it, Helen. And I think she leaves both of the men kind of speechless because they're kind of like not expecting that. Jaws on the floor. Dick's probably a little hard. Yeah. Oh, very hard. Helen goes to the gym next to get some training in. She starts running on the treadmill and her, her thoughts start to spiral about her siblings and how she is a prize and no one talked to her about it and so on. Patroclus stops Helen as she has ran seven miles like on a sprint and didn't look like she was s- stopping anytime soon. Yeah, and like her original plan was for like three. Yeah, three miles. She just like zoned out and like didn't realize that she was running herself into the ground. She's mad at herself and also annoyed at how attractive she finds Patroclus, and she ropes him into getting him to help her stretch after her run. Stretch me, baby. Stretch me. Achilles is making his way to the gym when he runs into Ajax, and Ajax asks if he would want to team up for the first challenge and be allies. Achilles declines since he already has Patroclus, and that's really enough. When Achilles enters the gym, he sees Helen and Patroclus stretching. So Patroclus is, like, leaning over her, on the ground, stretching her quads or calves or butt, whatever it is. And Achilles sees freaking red. He's not happy. So the Minotaur is also in the is also in the gym and starts taunting Achilles about what's going on between Helen and Patroclus. Achilles approaches the pair and makes them stop. He then orders Helen, aka Princess, because that's what he has been calling her, to go back to her room. Achilles also pulls the whole, I'm going to be your husband, so you better stop with the attitude and listen to me card. Helen does not take this lightly, but Achilles then tosses Helen over his shoulder and takes her back to the room, regardless of what she wants. So we get a lot of really spicy, hot hate banter here. I wish I could go into more detail. It was sizzling between Achilles and Helen. So good. If you haven't read the book, read it just for this. Yeah. Yeah, like, we'll just give you the chapters if you want of the smutty stuff. Like, you don't even have to read anything else. (laughs) So this banter, it starts as banter, and it quickly leads to Achilles and Helen kissing. The kissing intensifies, and Helen is now arching into Achilles. She then takes him by surprise and flipping him around, so she also is taking him to the ground and is now on top of him. Achilles then rips Helen's leggings in the crotch region, Helen slaps Achilles across the face because those were her favorite. And he just tells her to bill him for them. Why was that so hot? I know. I was kind of like, damn. Okay, cool. (laughs) He then flips again. So he's on top of Helen. Achilles tries to stop and be a voice of reason, but they're in too deep and they don't stop. They both say that they hate each other as Achilles is slowly entering Helen inch by inch. I mean, you can't get more of a fuck me like you hate me than this. Oh, for sure. Both of their control snaps and they really start just going to town in a complete like hate fuck situation. They finish and Achilles asks Helen if she's okay because he does realize that he went very hard and very rough with her. So that was nice that he was still checking in on her. She's fine and realizes that they didn't use condoms. So Helen's on birth control and has been tested recently. 
Achilles ever only goes bareback with Patroclus, and they've been tested regularly, so they both figure that they're, like, okay. They don't really leave things on good terms as Helen leaves and just goes back to her room. And, like, after the sex, there's also, like, hate banter. It's just, like... So good. It's so good. So Achilles enters Patroclus' room, and Patroclus can automatically tell that he fucked Helen. Because, like, he's rumpled-looking, plus I think it's just, like, in his eyes. Like, they know each other so well that, like, he can just read it And, like, why is he sweating? Patroclus tells Achilles to take a shower before his apology attempts, but he ends up stopping Achilles because he can't hold it in. They end up getting into an argument about Helen being off-limits, which was Achilles' idea. In less than 24 hours, it was like, she's off-limits, we can't touch her, and then he goes and fucks her. Patroclus also brings up the fact that Achilles hates Helen, and he is pissed that this happened out of jealousy because Patroclus was helping Helen stretch. Remember, all of this came, like, it was a jealousy hate fuck on Achilles' end because he was pissed that his man was helping stretch Helen. I mean, he was, like, getting a little bit of a chub. He was. During it. But, like, Helen's also beautiful. Like, Can't blame him. Anyone would probably get turned on in Helen's presence. Calm down. They then start to argue about how Helen is trying to come in between them. Patroclus feels hurt, so he sends Achilles away because he can't look at him and process things at the same time. Achilles apologizes, but Patroclus doesn't believe him, so he doesn't accept it. He's not mad because Achilles cheated. Essentially, they have an open relationship. There is no cheating. But... In this case scenario, it kind of is. Right. Obviously, both Achilles and Patroclus had come to a mutual decision that Helen was off limits, that neither one of them would be fucking her. But also, like, Patroclus is struggling because Helen is starting to get to him, and he also firmly believes that Achilles will win and win Helen's hand in marriage, leaving him on the outside. So these doubts, again, like, they start to come into play too, especially now that Achilles has fucked Helen. Patroclus avoids Helen and Achilles until the day of the first challenge. He sees Achilles and Helen standing near each other, dressed similarly, and Patroclus is hit with a pang in his heart because of how much of a couple they look like and appear to be. Patroclus tells Achilles to stick to the plan as they are loaded into the vans and taken to the arena. The challenge is an obstacle course. As they are prepping, Patroclus tells Achilles he's still mad, but the plan hasn't changed. They discuss briefly their strategy, taking route three. Before he can say anything to Helen, the challenge has begun. First challenge has started, and Helen gets approached by Atalanta pretty quickly, asking if she wants to team up with her in the first round, which Helen agrees to. They set out on the obstacle course beam-like things as Helen almost loses her balance, and as Athena's people start dropping down from the ceiling as other, like, con- like contenders. <laughs> As obstacles within the obstacle course. (laughs) Here's a curveball. Yep. One of Athena's people comes down after Helen, but she manages to fling them off the course. The pair continue through the course, and Helen asks Atalanta why she's helping, in which Atalanta responses, I'm currying favor with my future wife, which sends Helen on a spiral and has her asking herself why she's doing this again. Like, all those thoughts are coming back. They continue their trek, and Helen is getting tired, but know that but she knows that she can do it. Helen launches from the panels, but misjudges the jump and ends up grabbing the rope too low. And as she's trying to get back up, one of Athena's people approaches her, but Atalanta takes them down before they can take out Helen. Helen is still struggling through the final portion of the obstacle course, and she knows everyone wants to see her fail. She manages to haul herself up and 
flings herself past the finish line. She has officially and successfully completed the first challenge. Yay, go Helen. She takes into account the others who have made it. So Atalanta, Hector, Paris, the two strangers, and then Achilles and Patroclus. In total, I think there's 10 like other side characters that don't really matter. She's thinking about her fuck session with Achilles and how he gave her an outlet for all of her emotions. She's also thinking about her verbally slash psychologically like abusive relationship with Paris. And we still see how it's affecting her. She also is feeling guilty about Patroclus because she actually likes him. A lot of things going on in these characters' minds, man. So the winners, they make their way back to the vans. Achilles and Patroclus are avoiding Helen, so she ends up having a confrontation with Paris. He taunts her about how how she would have failed without Atalanta's help, how she looks better in dresses, and is really just, like, patronizing slash gaslighting her. He's such a dick. Oh, he's terrible. He also starts taunting Helen about how she likes it sexually rough, and says she's daddy's little princess in public and his little slut in private. So, like, you know, he takes every arsenal he can get and, like, throws it at Helen, knowing it's going to affect her. His behavior is just so gross. Yeah. And then on top of that, though, during all of this, like, verbally, like, aggressive, manipulative behavior, he has a tight grip on her the whole time. And, like, she's trying to get away, but, like, she can't break through his grasp. Because if she draws, like, too much attention to it, then he's just going to spin it to be Helen's fault. Yeah. So finally, Helen is able to kind of come out of this haze of this, like, abuse and, like, PTSD. And she grabs Paris's cock roughly, not in a nice way, and, like, squeezes it and threatens to gut him the next time he touches her. Once he's out of her grip, he goes back to telling her how she could never be Aries. And he's, like, still, like, fucking taunting her. It's terrible. So once she's free of Paris, she gets in the van, and of course she's in the van with the two strangers. Theseus tells her women where he comes from know their place, and she is proof that Olympus has become soft. So he is just a dick, too. So she's just like, Jesus Christ. Surrounded by assholes. And then he also kind of makes a, like, you know, he's like, we can work on that, or like, we have time to work on that. And it's like, ugh. Theseus, you don't even have a chance. Calm down. Helen makes her way back to her room where she finds Hermes and Dionysus waiting for her. Hermes is there with a message from Zeus telling Helen that she's had her fun but needs to resign before the next challenge. Helen tells Hermes to pass along the message that she hears her brother, but she will continue on. I hear you, but fuck off. Yep. Dionysus tells Helen she did a good job and that they are rooting for her, which was really nice. So Patroclus still hasn't forgiven Achilles, and Achilles is becoming impatient and is hovering. Patroclus asks if Achilles regrets having sex with Helen, and his answer is no, in which Patroclus calls him a hypocrite because he can't have sex with her without making Achilles mad. Patroclus says that he loves Achilles, and one fight doesn't change that, but he just needs time. Achilles knows that he's fucked up. He is jealous of what he can see between Patroclus and Helen, but he is also attracted to Helen, but they are also competing for the same role, which is all Achilles wants. So many issues and problems. And he's also scared of being left behind if Patroclus falls in love with Helen. So Achilles, like I mentioned before, is Athena's number two. And he has been and he was appointed that position at 22, which is pretty impressive. Like he is this warrior. And so like Ares has been his end game since he was 18 years old. So Achilles comes to the conclusion that he is going to apologize to Helen for his actions. 
he gets to her room and the door is unlocked, which causes suspicion. He catches a glimpse of a six foot foot person wearing all black sneaking into Helen's room. Achilles throws himself at the attacker and they start to brawl. The attacker has a knife and Achilles has nothing. So the attacker gets Achilles on his back and is trying to stab him. And Achilles is like holding on for dear life, you know, as the guy is trying to stab him through the chest. And thankfully, Helen comes and crashes the lamp over the attacker's head, knocking him out. They tie the attacker up and then they call Athena's people. Helen is panicked and Achilles is attempting to comfort her. They have some good bants here and they both tell each other that they still don't like each other. <laughs> not really, or not much. <laughs> it's so funny. Achilles then tells Athena's people that he will act as bodyguard for Helen until they can figure out who sent this attack. Okay, so Achilles lets Patroclus know about Helen's attack and that she will be staying in, in Achilles' room until they deem her safe. And Patroclus' heart is instantly on the ground. Like, he already thinks that Achilles is moving on to Helen. And this is kind of where Patroclus gets kicked out of the equation. Patroclus says all three of them will share a room. Two guards are better than one. So he's kind of like, nah, we're going to do it together. Patroclus starts thinking about who would want Helen dead as he's gathering all of his shit to move into another room. Achilles checks all the doors and windows, and they realize that there's, like, one window that is never fully secure. So I think that they would have to be with her, like, in the bathroom or something at all mm -hmm. times. Like, whatever. Helen and Achilles end up having, like, some kind of, like, heated hate bants which makes Patroclus feel uncomfortable, so he leaves to go into the bathroom or to the bedroom to start unpacking because he's kind of like, oh my God, I've never seen Achilles act like this towards someone other than me, but I'm seeing it being played out with Helen. Poor Patroclus. So Helen and Patroclus finally talk. Helen apologizes about Achilles. Patroclus saying that they have an open relationship, but Helen still feels bad and that actions speak louder than words, and that she does feel bad about hurting Patroclus. And after she kind of apologizes, like, m internally, Patroclus is kind of like, everything she's saying, like, is very reasonable and yada, but his response is to be like, well, that's not going to stop you from fucking him again. And she's kind of like, I'm not planning on it. And he's like, well, you didn't plan on it the first time. And she's like, touche, caught me there. <laughs> So, I mean, Patroclus is being a little petty, too. So it, it goes both ways. Can't blame him, though. No. But also don't take it out on Helen. Take it out on Achilles. Right. So during this conversation, they also end up talking about the complications of, like, the Ares title because they're all competing for this one thing. Helen ultimately climbs into bed because Patroclus is like, you need to go to sleep. And she's wearing a very sexy, like, black sleep set. That I kind of wanted this sleep set. I know. Me, too. Because he's, like, panting. He's like, I can't control myself. I'm like, I need this. Where, where do I buy this Victoria's Secret? Like, Harry, <laughs> like, where do I gotta go for this? I want one, please, and thank you. So Helen climbs into bed, and she invites Patroclus to join because it's just making her uncomfortable just him standing there because he's on guard duty. And she's like, please be guard duty, like, laying down so I'm not freaking out with having you just standing there over me. Can't blame her there. So... As she's falling asleep, Helen says, the funny thing is, I wanted to sleep with you. I don't even like Achilles, mostly. But I would have happily climbed you like a tree. And then she just, like, falls asleep. Love it. And so this kind of leaves Patroclus being like, oh, the fuck. fuck? <laughs> so Helen wakes up the next morning. 
in Patroclus's bed and they're like spooning and she can feel that he's kind of hard pressing up on her butt. That morning wood. And so, yeah, and so they kind of like, she kind of like pushes a little back and he kind of pushes a little forward. I've totally done this. Oh, 100, you have to. You have to, duh. Kind of like squirm and like, you know, wiggle the butt a little bit. Exactly. So they're like, they're now awake. Helen tells Patroclus that Helen makes reckless decisions when she's hurting or scared. It's kind of like a toxic trait. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. That like, when they're feeling a certain way, they just throw themselves in situations where it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. So yeah, Helen has kind of admitted this. And they like kind of start touching a little bit more, a little bit of a flirty banter. And then it gets to the point where like Patroclus is kind of like, I don't want to stop. Like, I want you too much. So like, can I touch you? Like, Let's get it on. I'm really glad he asked for permission. He did. And that was really nice. And so Patroclus, like, they start to do, like, that morning, like, slow kind of, like, they start kissing. And then he starts removing her clothes. And then she, like, says his name. And he's like, I like the way you say my name. Like, I love that shit. Like, I think that's so hot. Like, And I also just, I love morning sex. So I really appreciated this scene. Me too. And, like, in this scene, you kind of see... Patroclus taking on more of a dominant role because with him and his relationship with Achilles, Achilles, he's the Achilles, sub. yeah, Achilles is definitely the dom. So like we kind of get to see a different side of him in like the sexual elements. So as they're kind of like heating up, Helen is now like he's stripped off the bottom of her shorts or whatever, and they have like this like flirty kind of banter, being like, "I want it, like give it to me," blah blah blah. And then he starts to go down on her. And she starts moaning a little bit. And then maybe, I'm assuming, like, three seconds into this, Achilles barges through the door. Because he can obviously hear them. Yep. He's just outside. And so Achilles... He's like, I'm on fucking guard duty, and they're in there fucking around. So Achilles enters the room and obviously sees his man, Patroclus, going down on Helen. But he's kind of like... He's probably torn because he's kind of like, this is a very hot scene (laughs) to walk in on. Mm -hmm. And so Achilles ends up telling Patroclus not to stop. And Achilles essentially like takes on this like third party dom role where he is giving Patroclus and Helen both commands as to like what to do. Yeah, I love he's like being the conductor to this like whole sexcapade. Right. So like after the initial like, um, conversation that they have once Achilles, like, enters. He goes and sits down on a chair in the corner, and he's like, Patroclus, like, why did you stop? Like, continue. And then he's like, add a finger. He's like, add another one. Like, do this. Helen, take your top off. Like, if we're going to do this, I want to see your tits. Like, you know, he's very, like, dictating everything that is going on, which I was kind of like, I want to do, like, why is, why am I not Helen? (laughs) So obviously through this scene as well, you're getting a lot of dialogue. So there's a lot of dialogue between all three of them going on as Achilles is directing them on what to do. And um, ultimately, he is able to command Pat- uh, Patroclus to do what he needs to do. And Helen, like, comes really hard. And she is not upset about Achilles being a part of this. It probably makes it even hotter. Definitely did. So Achilles is replaying in his mind what just occurred between them. And he is not ready to stop this. Matter of fact, he wants more. 
So Achilles tells Patroclus to fuck Helen if he thinks her pussy tastes good. Imagine it clamped around his dick. Plus, the princess won't be satisfied with only one orgasm. The three admit that they want each other, and Helen asks for reassurance that they won't use their sexual encounters with each other against her in the future. So cue conductor Achilles again to direct another sex scene. Okay, I really liked this sex scene, and I... I really liked that it spanned over both Helen and Achilles. Mm -hmm. And, like, this scene was long. Yeah. Like, this sex scene was intense, but in, like, the best way. And here's how. So Patroclus is on his back with Helen on top, and she's riding him. And we do get another uh, protection talk here. And they're going no condom. Achilles begins to get jealous of the connection he can see between the two of them. So he has Patroclus sit on the edge of the bed and Helen face him on his lap and Helen starts taunting Achilles. I loved this because all Achilles could come up with like is shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything she's saying is the truth. Mm -hmm. And then Achilles approaches Helen and shuts her up by having her choke on his cock. But Helen can deep throat. And I liked this because, because after Achilles was like shut up, Helen's like, why don't you, you make, make me? me and like you know what to do and so he's like fuck yeah he's like i'm gonna have you choke on me she's like mm, if you think you can and then she winds up telling him to fuck her mouth like he means it patroclus starts to stroke helen's clit while she's still riding him and giving achilles a blowjob patroclus and helen move into like doggy style position i imagine while she's still getting m- mouth fucked by achilles And then the two men start to match pace with each other while going at Helen, and they all get their finish. What a great sex scene. Well done by Katie. Oh, yeah. Per usual. After the threesome, it's time for some group therapy, which Helen is not happy about, and she's also not ready for it. So, like, she needs to, like, let me fucking take a shower first. I need to get y'all's cum off of me before we, like, talk about our feelings. Yeah, they're, like, trying to have these deep conversations. She's like, you guys do realize that I'm drenched like, in y'all's calm, like, really? <laughs> Can I take care of this first? And they do wind up agreeing to, like, an alliance bodyguard situation. And they're going to continue to fuck. And then basically deal with, like, the relationship dynamics and any fallout after the tournament is over. It's like, they've kind of, it's like, we're in too deep. So might as well just enjoy this in the moment and we'll figure out the rest after yeah, the fact. the boys are enjoying this too much to... Call it quits, especially Achilles. He's like, we're going to keep doing this. So we all want it. So Achilles gives me the vibe of a person who doesn't, like, ever fall in love. But as soon as they do, it is, like, quick, instant, and it is, like, intense. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, he doesn't have a lot of emotions for a lot of people. But no. once he does, it's, like, very intense. And he's very honest, too. Blunt. Blunt, straight to the point. Like, this is the way it is. Take it or leave it. So Bellerfon who is kind of lead of security during the games. So they're also the ones that came. They lead the competitors around. They were the ones that came out when Helen was attacked. So they come to give a status update to the assassin situation and inform the group the prisoner has been released to Zeus and Athena's people were not able to question him. This hisses off the boys and slightly breaks Helen's heart. Because her brother just took her assassin and let him go. 
and didn't check to see if she was okay. Yeah. And he came out to the site to transport this person. Yeah. So Achilles, seeing that Helen is starting to doubt herself, gives her the pep talk. Only he can. And Helen does pick up her courage, strength, and of course her sassy mouth. The rest of the break day was spent in bed with sex. Only breaking for meals. Sounds like a great day. Right? (laughs) Besides the competition, I could do without that. (laughs) Yeah. Now it's time for trial number two. There are 12 champions remaining, and the arena has been set up with a maze with one exit door, which requires a key. There are five keys hidden in the maze. You must find a key and escape the maze in the allotted time of two hours, and you can continue on. If you don't find a key or have a key but don't escape, you're out. And I think, yeah, I think this takes it from like 10 to 5. Yeah, and potentially less if you can't escape the maze. During the trial, the Minotaur is targeting Atlanta, and Patroclus rounds a corner right into Hector's fist. Helen, our beloved gymnast, uses her skill set to her advantage and scales the maze wall to walk and kind of like balance beam on the top of the maze, where she sees that Theseus has made it to the maze center, and then Helen jumps from her vantage spot and attacks him. This was badass. I was like, Helen, you, you sly bitch, like, do what you have to do and take Theseus down with you. So good. During their battle, Theseus lets it be known that there may be a coup attempt on the 13 and Olympus as a whole. He gets a hit to Helen's thigh that's, like, really bad. And Helen dislocates and possibly breaks his knee in return. Yeah, he was down for the count. Yeah. He was like, there was no way, even if he did get a key and managed to get out, like, there's no way he was participating further. Helen winds up being able to get a key and gets back up on her perch on the top of the maze walls and heads to the exit where Atalanta has also gotten a key and she's battling it out with the Minotaur, trying to get to, like, where the door to the exit is. Patroclus and Hector are fighting and Patroclus, it looks like he's going to lose. Nod to... Yeah, Greek mythology. I mean, Hector was the one who killed Patroclus when he thought he was Achilles. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Patroclus is about to get KO'd by Hector in this arena. Helen spots Achilles and gives him directions to Patroclus. I loved this. How she was like, Achilles! And he's just like, because she can see everything. And he just stops and she literally is like, right, two lefts, right, left, (laughs) straight. And it was... It was so, so good. Cute. Helen and Atalanta make it to the exit where a hidden Paris knocks Atalanta out, steals her key, and then exits the maze. That sums up Paris perfectly. The person who scouts out the exit and then takes the person by surprise from the back yep. to be able to move on. We all know a person who would do that and they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and Paris sucks. Paris is horrendous. I probably would do that just because I don't think there would be a way of me like winning. But that's shitty. <laughs> I can admit it. <laughs> I would hope I could take the Helen approach. And then we cut back to Achilles and Patroclus. Achilles is able to like make it to Patroclus and knock Hector out and save his man. And they start to argue. <laughs> like Patroclus starts arguing with Achilles about him coming to save him. He's like, why did you do this? You should have just left me. Right, because Patroclus, his whole end game is he doesn't ever want to win. There's yeah. no way that he's going to win. And he's kind of like, you just needed me to make it through. But, like, you could have made it through. What are you doing coming back for me? And Achilles was like, I wasn't going to leave you behind. And I need you till the end. 
Which is sweet. And the two of them wind up getting keys. As they pass a uh, Theseus who is still like down for the count from Helen's attack. Yep. Because <laughs> he hasn't moved. He's still laying there holding his <laughs> knee. <laughs> and they're like, good job, Helen. <laughs> yeah. And so Achilles and Patroclus are able to get out of the maze. And it looks like the battle for the final key and spot in the finale is between the Minotaur and Atalanta. And unfortunately, the Minotaur is the final victor. This got me mad because, one, Paris definitely should not have even made it through the first. I was so upset for Atalanta. She really should have gone through. She should have gone through. I mean, I would have wanted Hector to go through before the Minotaur. I know that would make things complicated because him and Paris are a team. It would make things a little bit harder. It makes sense why one of the two outsiders had to be in the finale. I just don't like it. Yeah. On the return ride back to the compound, the final five are all in the same van, and we get a glimpse of Paris's manipulation and abusive tactics on Helen once again. Every interaction with Paris is a shitty one. But this is the first time it's kind of happened in front of Achilles and Patroclus, though. And they come to her defense. As they should. And Helen starts internally spiraling. What she typically tends to do. <laughs> Once they get back to the compound, they, the three of them go back to their room, since they're still sharing, where a doctor checks out Patroclus and Helen's injuries. When the doctor leaves, the trio have an argument about what is needed to be Ares and who would make the best Ares. Right, because Helen's defense is, you guys don't understand the politics. Yep. Which I do. Because while the boys, Achilles especially, has the military knowledge to be Ares, the god of war, they lack a very important component to being part of the 13, which is the political knowledge that Helen excels at. So that's kind of her bargaining chip of, like, why she should be Ares versus Achilles. Yeah, she's like, I could learn the military stuff a lot easier than you guys can learn all the ins and outs. Like, you would be eaten alive before you realized how to deal with the pol- the political elements of... And she starts throwing stuff at them, like, do you know exactly why Aphrodite was trying to kill Psyche? Do you know all, like, the details about, you know, Persephone and Hades getting together? And what's Poseidon's deal? And do you know Hermes and Dionysus' endgame? And they're just like, uh... Because, like, Achilles is funny, too, because when, um, specifically when Helen is like, do you know, like, what truly happened with Aphrodite and Psyche, like, why she wanted to kill Psyche. And, like, I can just picture it perfectly, like, Achilles thinking that he, like, so confident in his answer. He's just like, yeah, because Psyche was fucking her, like, her son, who was also her fixer, and she, like, didn't like it. And Helen was like, oh, wrong. (laughs) Because Demeter was having, you know, Psyche become the next Hera, and therefore undermining Aphrodite's authority, and they're like, and they're like, oh, oh shit. no, we didn't know any of no, that. We didn't know any of this. Like, oh, God. That kind of stuff can't really be taught. Unless you're part of it. Which Helen is since birth. And she knows all the alliances and just all those little ins and outs. One thing that I am curious about is she does say something about Poseidon's sexual partners. And, like, depending on who he is, like, seeing or sleeping with or whatever can also play on, like, his moods or temperament. Mm -hmm. And I think that he is scheduled to get a book later in this series. Yep. So. It's going to be interesting to see who he's. I'm very curious about that, that concept of him. Because Poseidon's one that throughout this series we haven't really. We know that he can get people in and out yep. of the city and like shipping. And we know nothing about, about him. 
So Patroclus is figuring out that the three of them together is the right match and combination of skills. Achilles with his brawn and military knowledge. Patroclus, the silent strategist. And you know, Patroclus could hold his own too physically. Yeah. Like, he's a warrior too. He works for Athena as well. But obviously he's not anything compared to, like, Achilles. Achilles. But, like... But he's better with the strategy. Right. I mean, he is more of a strategy guy. And then Helen, the politician and diplomat. Yeah, I mean, together, they make the perfect Ares, for sure. But time for talking is over, and it's time for more action. Naked action. (laughs) Their favorite kind of action. My favorite kind of action. (laughs) This time, they start in the shower. Achilles pins Helen's wrist to his chest. Patroclus teases the both of them, taking his time, joining them, trying to teach them patience. During this, Achilles' inner monologue is that he's determined to keep both of them. Yeah, I think that Achilles now, from this point forward, his mindset is he is convinced that they are going to be a couple together. Mm -hmm. At the end of this, whatever the outcome, they'll get through it. Mainly him being Ares, Helen being his wife, and then Patroclus, like, being part of their throuple. Yep. But, like, he is set that he's not giving anyone up. Patroclus puts his hand on Helen's hips and kisses Achilles and then Helen. Patroclus then drops to his knees in front of Helen and Achilles holds her thighs open and Patroclus eats her out while she makes out with Achilles. Achilles, being very pent up at this point, has everybody move to the bed. (laughs) With Patroclus pinning Helen down and Achilles wants to play how many orgasms can Helen get before their bodies give out. I would like to play that game, please. I know. Can I play it with Achilles and Patroclus? <laughs> I feel like they'd be really good at it. <laughs> and Achilles finally gets his turn to eat Helen out. Also, I would just like to say that I'm at the end of my drink, and it literally just looks like sparkly gold. It doesn't even look green anymore. It literally looks like... Because all of the gold dust settles at the bottom mm-hmm. when you like let the drink sit. So I got a bunch of gold dust at the bottom of this drink. And it literally looks like liquid gold. I kind of love it. Patroclus whispers back inner thoughts Helen's had throughout the book, like, you fight so hard to be taken seriously. Has anyone ever taken care of you as a woman and not just a prize? And we want to keep you. Basically giving her a mental fuck. But like in a good way, not... Oh, definitely in a good way. But definitely in a way that she is going to panic. Yeah. Because she's like, someone else sees this. So Patroclus lifts Helen and they switch positions to her on top of him with Achilles holding Patroclus's dick and teasing Helen with it and like getting Patroclus's dick wet with Helen's juices. Then Achilles sucks on Patroclus's dick and goes back and puts it inside of Helen. Then Helen gets slammed onto Patroclus's dick and Achilles doesn't stop working her clip with his mouth. Achilles tries to get Helen to agree to being with them. She won't, so it's time to switch positions again. This time, Helen is facing Patroclus and Achilles, and Achilles leaves for a moment, comes back to bed with some lube. Ashton and I had to talk about this part, because I was like, I don't understand how this happened. (laughs) So Helen is in the middle of the boys with Patroclus's dick inside her, so he's, like, laying down still. So is she facing his face or his feet? Do you know? I was picturing it that she was facing his face now. Yeah. Because Achilles switched her. At Mm -hmm. first she was, like, reversed. Yeah. And now she's, like, normal cowgirl. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Achilles enters Patroclus. So he kind of, like, this is what we were talking about, probably, like, takes his legs and kind of, like, 
you know, puts them, like, up on his shoulders so then he can enter Patroclus. And I also liked in this scene, I believe it's it's either Patroclus or Helen's point of view. It's not Achilles. I know that. But I like whoever's point of view in this specific chapter is. When Achilles is, like, lubing up, whoever's the point of view is kind of like, oh, my God, like, he has... There are two options. Like, yep. who is he going to... Because he plays with both of their butts. Right. And it's kind of like, who is he going to choose to do, like, anal with? So it's kind of also, like, this anticipation mm-hmm. where they're kind of like, ooh, what's going to happen? Like, Achilles is this, like, coming out of left field. What's he going to do? Well, so they're all fucking and touching each other. They all wind up coming. And Achilles spills himself on Helen's ass, marking her as his territory and marking mm-hmm. his intent. I can fuck with some bi guys. <laughs> Why isn't, like, guys being bi, like, more spoken about? It should be. It should be. It this should would be, be. freaking amazing. Are you kidding me? I'm just saying. Sign me up. I'm just saying. They shower, and we get a little mini sex scene in the shower. It was only, like, two sentences. But it was like, oh, they're still going at it. And they have another argument about the Aries tournament and them being together. And it kind of becomes this thing where they just kind of keep going. Because remember, it was... A game. How many orgasms till their bodies give out? And they finally do wind up going to bed with no sexy time. The next morning, we get the backstory as to why Patroclus and his moms left Olympus in the 13. And it's that one of his moms was pregnant and the other worked for Aphrodite and was in line to become the next Aphrodite. Because with the Aphrodite title, whoever is currently holding it gets to appoint the next one. Until there was an attack which left the pregnant mom to suffer a miscarriage. And they decided they didn't want to be part of that life anymore. They're like, it's not worth it. Too dangerous. If people are like, if you're literally like threatening lives, they're like, yeah, no. We're out. And we find out that Patho, who was Eros's mom, became the next Aphrodite. And she was the one who orchestrated the attack on Patroclus's family. That tracks. Oh, so on brand. And then Helen shares what it was like growing up with Zeus as a father and confirms that he did kill her mother by shoving her down some stairs and snapping her neck. And that was sad because she's kind of like, you know, people say that it's like rumored and it's also like people just kind of like push it on the rug and like laugh it off. It's like, oh, Zeus like kills his like wives. And it's like, no, but I literally saw it. And it's true. Yeah. And, and it people was would my be mom. terrified if like they actually knew that this was real. And then to have to continue to live with him. After the group bonding, it's time for a day of naps, cuddling, restorative yoga, and rotating guard duty for the boys. And Patroclus starts to internalize that he's falling in love with Helen. Then we cut to trial number three, finale time. And this is a combat trial. The champions will fight until only one remains. And they will be eliminated by either tapping out or first blood being drawn. Achilles and Patroclus pick batons as their weapons, as that's what they know best, because that's what they use working for Athena. Paris has a dagger and goes after Achilles. They begin to fight, not just physically, but also over Helen. Because, yeah, Paris, like, comes out and is like, I know you're fucking Helen! Like, I know it! And he's like, bro. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) seen that bitch like of course i'm fucking her and i'm gonna do it again (laughs) so they're fighting until paris distracts achilles by having him notice patroclus who is about to be attacked by the minotaur with a sword 
And not just like a little sword, like death sword. The Minotaur is swinging the sword, ready to cut Patroclus in two. Yeah, and Achilles can tell that. Because also remember, Patroclus is still very injured. Yeah. Like he hasn't healed enough to defend himself against a situation like this. And the way that the Minotaur is swinging the sword, Achilles can tell that like his intent is, is to, to do murder. Yeah, is to do more than just first blood. So Achilles now is kind of like, oh my God, baby, no. no. <laughs> when Helen, wielding some daggers, comes in to Patroclus's aid, the two of them are taking on the Minotaur, who strikes Patroclus with the sword, severely wounding him and eliminating him from the competition. So in this scene... I kind of got frustrated because how I was picturing it is that, you know, Achilles is watching. He's the third person, and this is his point of view. Like, it seems like Helen sneaks up on the Minotaur from behind. And kind of, like, jumps on him. But, like, isn't able to, like, I didn't even know that if she jumped on him at this point. Like, I thought that she was just about to, like, you know, kind of at his back. And then then he, like, throws her off. Yeah, he kind of, like, whatever, and I'm just... But she doesn't want to lose the dagger. Right. So that's why she doesn't strike, is what I was thinking. Okay. Because I was like, man, she had the, like, it was by surprise, like, all you need is a trace of blood. Like, you just need to do a paper cut, essentially, and he would be out. And then, like, he manages to deflect it and take out Patroclus. I was like, man, things would have been so much better if... It just seemed like, from Achilles' point of view, that he was, like, even thinking, like, oh, my God, like, she's gonna... She has this. And then it was, like, all of a sudden, like, the Minotaur just, like, had a sixth sense that she was behind him. Yeah. I kind of was like, that's bullshit. (laughs) Like, I hated that. Because I was like, she was so close. But we gotta keep the battle going. Yeah. But Patroclus is now out. He's 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 been cut. The Minotaur is still up. Yeah, and Achilles has been, like, trying to get to them the whole time, but, like, they were... He's, like, across the stadium. Yeah. Achilles does join the fight with the Minotaur, and Achilles is going at him in a fury for trying to kill both Helen and Patroclus. And, of course, wounding Patroclus. The Minotaur does wind up getting eliminated at this this point. And the ref is trying to pull Achilles off of the Minotaur, who has been eliminated. And once the refs, like, are able to, like, separate the two of them... The ref is like, Achilles, you're done too. And Achilles is like, the fuck? And he notices that there's an arrow in his calf, which was fired by none other than fucking Paris. So we're getting some more mythology overlay. Obviously, Paris is in the mythology killed Achilles. With an arrow to the... In this one, it's just wounding him. Yeah. Oh, also, like, just showing, like, Achilles' character, the fact that this could have been totally avoidable if he could have just kept his temper in check and not gone after the Minotaur once he was already eliminated. But, like, he saw red, and mm-hmm. he couldn't, like, help himself or stop himself. Yep. And then Paris, because Paris is the one who points out that Patroclus is about to get fucking killed. And I don't understand why Achilles didn't just scratch Paris as he fled. Right. But he literally just left Paris uninjured. And I get it. And allowed him to go get a different weapon. Right. And, like, I understand. Because when you love someone, you're going to, like... Drop everything to go... But, like, knock him out or something. You have the arsenal to easily just hit him across the head one time. You don't have to kill him. So, yeah, now Achilles has a fucking arrow in his calf. And he's done. So it's down to Helen and Paris. Paris is launching arrows at Helen, who is skillfully and artfully avoiding them. And, like... This is another instance of Paris just being a complete, 
Like, there's no reason why he should have made it this far. He literally has the arrows, like, next to him, and he's just stationary. And just... Just targeting boom, Helen. Boom. And it's just, like, you can't even, like, fight. Like, it's another, like, wimpier tactic. Yep. And that gets called out. And when they're finally less than ten feet apart from each other, Helen throws a dagger at him, and her aim is true, and it gets him in the shoulder. Yeah, and Helen in this scene was a badass. Like, she was... Like, jumping on the ground, rolling, like, avoiding these arrows that, you know, Paris, like, started out very confident. And then he starts, like, shaking because he's, like, she's getting closer. And this was a good, it was a good. A good moment. For Helen. Like, Helen's just, she's really showing that she. Deserves it. Is a lot more than just a prize. And guess what? Helen has won. She is the new Aries. Girl power. Who runs the world? Girls. Girls. Who run this mother? Helen. (laughs) Achilles goes to the hospital with Patroclus and doesn't speak much to Helen. And then Helen talks to Athena and wants to go to the hospital to check on Patroclus as well. However, with her being the new Ares, she's stepping in on Athena's territory and toes because Achilles and Patroclus are her men. And Athena calls her out on this. Yeah, because she's within the hierarchy. She doesn't want her number two fraternizing with another 13. Because even though they are part of the same society, it's very, like, doggy dog. It's very Mm -hmm. every man for himself. So she does not want Helen to be involved with, like, two of her people. Because that is, like, almost undermining her authority as Athena. So this first potential stumble as Ares. But thankfully, Helen does recover well from it. And she apologizes. She's like, totally wasn't thinking about that but also she's just taken this title yeah and i mean it starts instantly yeah and athena's like, like i'll let this one pass right given the, the circumstances. circumstances but hint hint don't do it again <laughs> you and know get, your place you gotta know your place you wanted this role now you're in it hun. and so now it's time for a meeting with zeus where she learns the attacker that was sent for her was one of minos's people he's the one who sent theseus and the minotaur and the assassin was also one of his people, and that the barrier protecting Olympus is weakening. So Olympus as a whole is now vulnerable. And I think it's funny that the current Zeus even points, like, makes a comment where he's like, the past Zeus didn't really think that it merited attention. He didn't think that it was a big deal, and now it's coming to bite them in the ass. Because people know now. Outsiders know. And, I mean, if, if the barriers were weakening, they're going to continue to weaken to the point where they no longer exist. Like, it just shows the old Zeus's inability. Yeah, he just was horrible. Helen and Zeus kind of patch things up between them with their sibling relationship during this conversation. However, as the new Ares and member of the 13, Zeus feels like his plans are a little fucked. And he's like, for me as a leader, you being Ares sucks for me right now. But as your brother, good job. Yeah. I mean, I liked that he did kind of, he was kind of like, I'm proud of you. Like, you kicked ass. Like, you did the thing. But he also, like, before that, when he kind of is like, you fucked up my plans, because the barrier is weakening, they really, Athena, Zeus, probably Hera, the people in now really wanted Achilles. Yeah. They wanted a very strong, military strategic, person. Yeah, strategic military person. And, like, the fact that Helen won, no one really wanted that. Yeah, because, like, Athena is also a goddess of war. Like, Ares is a god of war. But, like, Athena is 
military strategy where Ares is just like combat, it would have been great for Achilles to take that title because he trained under both Ares and Athena, currently working for Athena, so it was like you would have a built-in alliance with the two war people. And then you also were having Helen as the prize who was also going to kind of then bridge Frank the gap. Have an alliance with Zeus. And Aphrodite. Yeah. So it was like, it's, you know, even though this was a competition, the 13 knew what they wanted, and they thought that they had it. Because if Helen hadn't entered, Achilles would have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But it's also one of those things where it's like, if you had just talked to Helen, like, I understand that you can't discuss politics stuff with outsiders, but, like, Helen is part of Zeus's family. Yeah. And is in part of this And could world. have given at least more information than just, surprise, you're a prize. Which is also kind of how she's been her whole life. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's 30. Like, she's sick of it. She's over it. Then Helen winds up going to her place where she's greeted by Eris, Hermes, Dionysus, Eros, and Psyche. They're all gathered to congratulate the new Ares. Helen winds up calling her favor with Eros in and asks him to check on Patroclus at the hospital and deliver a message to Achilles being... She wants the pretty future they painted, if they'll still have her. And Patroclus has surgery for his injuries. He does survive. And Eros did deliver the message to Achilles, along with one of his own. Kind of, like, laying down the law to Achilles. Like, don't fuck this up. And I like that. Good looking out, Eros. Like, I just like Eros. I, I liked him in his book. I liked him in the snippets that we got in this book. And he, like, cares about Helen. He does. He's he's very loyal, too. Loved that he came back. Yeah, and then also she, like, makes a comment when they first enter. Obviously, Psyche's with him. And she, like, mentions the outfit that he's wearing, which is, like, very different from the style that he had, like, worn before Psyche. And she kind of makes the comment being, like, definitely Psyche's doing, like. And he's like, yeah. And it's just, like, it's really cute, though. I, like, love them. I still love them as a couple I know. Of, for, like, a book. It makes me want to go back and reread Alexa. I know. I, I freaking, I know. But Achilles, he's struggling with losing out on his dream. Oh, this was something that he had been planning for for the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. And he, up until he lost, was convinced. He was going to be Ares. Athena comes to check on them and lets Achilles know that Olympus is in trouble. She kind of gives him as much of a rundown as she can. In a public hospital. When Patroclus wakes up, him and Achilles discuss everything that's just gone down and the fallout of Helen winning the Ares tournament. And they decide it's time to go get their girl. Yeah, because also when Athena came to talk about more of the Olympus stuff, she did also give Achilles the green light of like, if you want to do something, I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to stop you. But no, you can't come back. If you choose Helen and then she discards you, you can't come running back to me because that also shows weakness within this, yeah. with, within this society. But she said that she wouldn't argue. Right. She would let him go peacefully. But it's kind of now his ultimate decision because Patroclus isn't really going to lose much. He could find work and stuff in another, you know, under another 13. And that's something that, you know, Patroclus was saying to Achilles. He's like, what's more important? Your role of your, like, your your job title or being with people you love and being happy, and which is more important. <laughs> exactly. And so that's when they come to the decision. Let's go get Helen. So Helen has just finished her first meeting as one of the 13 with everybody. 
And this is kind of like unheard of, of the gathering of all 13, because the previous Zeus kept it a point to keep everyone separate. Or like as needed. Needed and more so kind of do the meetings within parties for distractions and like. But never like let's sit down around this big table and discuss things. And then also Hades was there, which was never a thing under the previous Zeus. Right. And, like, there's a lot, like, this scene was very interesting because now the dynamics of the 13 are getting a little blurry. Mm -hmm. Because you have, you obviously have Helen as Ares, you have Eris as Aphrodite, and you have Perseus as Zeus. And they're all all siblings. siblings. Then you have Demeter, being Demeter, you have um, Callisto as Hera, and you have Hades. Mm -hmm. All of them, they're all family. Yep. So it's like the power dynamic is definitely very skewed towards Zeus's family. Or Hades' family. Or Hades' family. Which However, I like, because there's always, like, in Greek mythology, a pa- battle struggle specifically between, between the brothers. Hades and Zeus, mm-hmm. more specifically. Poseidon gets in there as well. But in this, like, I like that there's this obvious kind of divide of, okay, it's 3v3 between Hades and Zeus. And who knows, maybe they'll get over this because there's new, like, there's a new Zeus. But, like, all of this is so new and overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> So we're starting to see, like, the alliances and the divides and kind of... Because then you also have Hermes and Dionysus, who are kind of, like, on their each other's sides. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're always going to be... But it's alluded to they have their own end game, Right. Which we know nothing about. No. So that meeting was a lot more than Helen expected it to be. And, you know, she already sees potential alliances that she could forge in her title and potential... Problems. Yeah. She makes it back to her office and is greeted by the sight of Achilles and Patroclus. Poor Patroclus in a wheelchair, and Achilles is pushing him. <laughs> but also kind of cute. So freaking cute, just like standing in her doorway, being like, honey. We're back. I know it's, it's been, been a couple days. days but we love here. you. <laughs> they wind up apologizing, and they ask her to make them hers. And she does agree. Achilles, in typical him fashion then asks for Helen to make him her second and for them to get married. And he's like, just kidding. We can wait on the marriage yeah. part. That can come later. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, he was just kidding about the marriage part for now. For now. Asterix. And that's definitely something he says, too. And the end. Well, that was Wicked Beauty by Katie Robert, the third in the Olympus series, Dark Olympus series. Woo. Woo. Tugging on my heartstrings, feeling a lot of things. Do we just want to go right into our loves and hates? Yes. Okay. So one thing that I do love in this book, I am enjoying getting to see more of the insides of, like, the society structure. Same. Versus the first two, um, dealing with people who were not really in the 13. I mean, Hades was, but it wasn't. He was a secret. Right. And then Eros was, only because he's his mom's fixer. So it was, it was really cool to kind of see some of the other players come out. Like, this is the first time that we're really dealing with, like, Athena. Mm-hmm. And, like, I like kind of seeing the more in-depth... This is the first time that we're really seeing Zeus a lot. Yep, and starting to get more about him and his dynamic with Callisto, Hera. So I, I'm, I'm glad that as this book is progressing, we are getting more within, like, the society structure. Mm-hmm. I really liked the tournament and the change of pace for the book to kind of piggyback off of yours because this is definitely a very different storytelling yeah, and my, actually my second bullet point for my loves was good change in plot from the previous two points, which piggybacking right on you, where it was, it's nice 
that these books are all so different, even though they're within the series. Yeah, because it's like the first two are a little similar, not a whole lot, but then if we had a third one that was just like that, the series would kind of start to plateau a bit, I think. So this freshens it up and kind of gets me excited still for like the next one. Yeah, and I think that also kind of piggybacking on that, with how this book ends and where we're finally, we're, tr- we're realizing that the barrier is now becoming an issue. Like that sets up a lot of good potential plot lines that Katie can hit on, yeah. which I'm very excited about. Yeah, that was one of mine. I loved that plot twist because then it's like, oh, what direction is it going to take now? Right. And who knows? Like it could go anyway. I love Achilles and Patroclus. I think that they are straight studs. They're babes. And I dig them. <laughs> I dig them so hard. Same. And I loved his banter. Oh. And how he doesn't treat Helen like she's breakable. He's irritating but funny. And he kind of reminds me of Thor yeah. from the Marvel movies. Like mm-hmm. his behavior and demeanor and stuff. Yeah, because like I, I think that's a good analogy because it's kind of like as the Thor series goes on, like Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, becomes funnier and funnier. And it's the same type of like he comes off as being a meathead and just like you know, whatever. And then as the movies go on, you kind of see his personality. Same with Achilles. Like, Achilles comes off as just being this fuckboy, like, meathead mm-hmm. warrior. But then you actually, like, there's death, and he's funny, and, like, the bands between him and Helen, and, like, even the banter between him and, like, Patroclus, like... So good. And I really, kind of piggy-offing that, I really enjoyed Helen and Achilles, their hate bands, and the love dynamic between all three. Because like we kind of mentioned, I do think that Helen is the glue. Because she is kind of like 50% Achilles, 50% Patroclus. And she She's is, a good mix of the two of them. Right, and she is kind of what like holds that together. Yeah, and was like the missing piece. Yeah, because Achilles and Patroclus are such opposites. It's almost like you need that Helen. And something that was kind of mentioned throughout the book that I really liked is in multiple POVs, something that they both, they all kind of said about Helen. So both Achilles and Patroclus have said as a reason why they didn't like seeing the other person with her is because they could pick up on the fact that like they like her, but for like different reasons. Yeah. And they also liked her for the other one as well. It's like, I like her for me, but I do like her for my partner right because like with Patroclus like one of the things that he kind of would always hint at in his like internal monologues is the way that like Achilles looks at Helen where he's like the only time I've ever seen Achilles look at someone like that is like when he's looking at me and then like on the reverse Achilles kind of like sees Patroclus doing or saying or acting a certain way where he's like oh my god he's only ever done this for me but he's also doing it for like Helen but, like, once they kind of get over their issues and realize that this is a good thing, like, I really like it. I like that she does balance them out. She's definitely needed. All the myth- mythology nods in this. Beautiful. Especially because so many characters. We went through a whole freaking like, textbook of mythology characters in this book. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that they, you know, I think that with you talking about the mythology before we went into the plot breakdown... I mean, I was seeing parallels that I didn't even realize were parallels from that breakdown. Being like, oh my God, like, yes, it's, it's just, it was very well done. Makes me appreciate this book even more. Yeah, and it makes me appreciate, like, Katie, because I feel like if you are going to write a book that is a retelling of something, 
you have to know your shit. Mm-hmm. You can't just half-ass it. And, like, it shows that she did her research and really knew the parts of mythology she wanted to pull from and how they would translate. Because, obviously, no one dies in this book. Very yeah. different from the actual mythology. This is a happy ever after, not a tragedy. <laughs> but, like, it just shows that as an author, she's not just focused on her own writing. She's also making sure that she is following what's already kind of been laid out. And I loved it. I also, I mentioned it earlier, really loved that we kind of got some insight with Helen on, like, her family, specifically Hercules. I really like Hercules from the Wicked Villains series. And the fact that he is being kind of brought back into this one... And to show that, like, him and Helen were probably the closest of the siblings. And how she misses him. How she misses him. And still thinks about him. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback off of that with the backstories, I love how the backstories continued my hatred and, like, solidified my hatred for the former Aphrodite and Zeus. Yes. It's like, yeah, we're we're right to not like them. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Not that there were really any doubts, but just... It really does solidify how awful they truly were. And so my last love is, it's like a really stupid one, but I really enjoy every book starts off with the main character either going or attending a party. They're either going on their way to a party, they're already at a party, they're running late for a party. It always starts in the same way. And I didn't notice that until just now. Yeah. And I really, I, I think it's really clever. That is. I like that. Yeah, because Persephone was at the party that she was being told that she was marrying Zeus. Psyche was at the party where she runs into Eros because she, like, is going to be offered to marry Zeus. Yep. And then party this that one, leads to Helen the tournament. was running late for the party, though, was the tournament. But it's funny because, also, I think it's just a nod because Olympus in Greek mythology, they always threw parties. Yeah. They were always partying. Like, they were always very social and stuff. So it kind of makes sense and is on brand in that way. But yeah, I really like that. I thought it was, I thought it was really cute and like clever. So I loved Callisto being a potster, and I'm ready for more of her and Zeus's antics. Same. And you told me, because you are a big fan of Katie Robert on TikTok. Yeah. And you told me that throughout the rest of the series, theirs is towards the end. Mm-hmm. It's the second to last book is the plan. But she did kind of plant seeds that we will see their dynamic kind of throughout the remaining books mm-hmm. that they'll be char- they'll be like side characters and we'll see little insights into yeah. their relationship because like with the mythology Zeus and Hera have a very tumultuous toxic relationship and obviously Katie's going to want to give them a happily ever after so she can't do that right now or else it kind of goes against the mythology yeah so I'm I'm excited for that and I was really I liked seeing more of their dynamic in this book and something that I love that Katie does throughout all of her books everyone's queer and with this book in particular we get our first non-binary character with the they them pronouns i like that too and i can appreciate it and this book i was happy to see that we're starting to kind of venture into like more taboo relationships and stuff like things that you wouldn't normally see in a romance yeah like polyamory and like open relationships yeah yeah and i thought that the three of them like i think for this series they were the perfect yeah, and queer once. representation just isn't done a lot in mainstream publication. No. But the thing is, too, if you think about Greek mythology, sexuality was not really a thing of concern No, back in ancient times. I mean, it was known that Achilles had male lovers. Like, that Patroclus was his lover in Greek mythology. 
I mean, Achilles also had women lovers, mm-hmm. but like sexuality was very fluid. And yeah. it wasn't like, oh my gosh, gay. You know, it was just kind of like, oh cool, you're just having sex. That's dope. <laughs> Get it, guy. Like, do I mean, your one thing. of the go- <laughs> one of the gods is intersex. Yeah. Not one of the main ones, but like one of the lesser ones. Yeah. So it's kind of like I like seeing that in her books as well because that follows the mythology. That in Greek mythology, things are like not as structured and strict as like in society today when it comes to your sexuality and who you choose to love is love. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Moving into the hates. I really don't have that many. I have three. So one thing that I wish was a little different is that I hate how fast the ending was once the couple actually became a couple. I thought it was lame, honestly, and I wanted, like, one more smutty scene, even though Patroclus is hurt. Like, I just thought that... He could have been the conductor. Exactly. Like, I just thought that once... Yeah, I wish we got an epilogue that gave us that. Right. There was no epilogue with this There was no epilogue. It was literally, like, the whole book, they were never an established couple, and then the last two pages... They just walk back into Helen's life and they're like, yeah, baby, we're here. Let's get it on. Like, let's do this thing. And she's like, yes. And then it just ends. And I'm like, I just hate when romance novels with like a lovers to enemies where you just don't ever get the lovers. I mean, we did get the lovers throughout, but they still had a lot of complications. Yeah. They weren't. And they weren't Nothing was solidified at that no. point. Agree. Because it was so hot and heavy and it was like, you know, pace to go ramp up. And then it, uh. Like, I just kind of thought it was lame. Yeah. You're not wrong. Something I do appreciate, though, is, like, thankfully nobody got married in this one. Yeah. I do appreciate that, too. And, I mean, I am, I do like that Helen was the one who won. Yeah. Because I think that she oh, needed to. Oh, that was to. great. I think that she needed to. But I just wish that there was a little bit more of them after they came out of this competition as an actual couple. And an extra, like, one more smutty scene once they're actually a couple. I think this could have used an epilogue. Yeah. We normally get one. I'm surprised. I know. Which makes me wonder if book four will literally pick up like instantly. Yeah. So I don't know. But that was just something that irritated me. But thankfully these characters do keep coming around. So we probably will get that in future books. But. It's not going to be like a sex scene though. Like we're not seeing Eros and Psyche like having intimate moments. They're just walking into a party. Maybe. Maybe we'll get like a big orgy thing down in the lower city uh, in maybe. Hades sex club maybe a lot of them are related though it'd be weird <laughs> they don't got to do it with each other but you know how like everyone's looking around it's like oh these people going at it That's oh true. those people going at it something that let me down a little bit was the assassination plot line I kind of wanted a little bit more with that like I wanted more attempts so it's like they had this whole guard duty thing going on with Helen but it was like there was only one Nothing happened once they, like, actually secured that bodyguard duty. Yeah. And it kind of was just, like, there's attack, and then, okay. <laughs> so, like, I would have been interesting to, like, have some issues with Minos' people who were in the tournament, Theseus and the Minotaur, kind of stirring the pot and kind of having... Because they do a little. A, a little bit, but not a whole lot. But not enough to really stir the pot. But, like, to really start to plant issues. Because, obviously, with the rules, they can't get physical or else they get eliminated but it's like you have these two people in on the inside yeah i agree that that plot line was a little it came in hot and then just faded yeah or another assassination attempt or like maybe during the trials like 
an assassin, like in the second trial where the... Athena's people were also part of What if one of those was actually an assassin and was like... So something that I really actually started to hate by the end of the book, and it it annoyed me too, was how all three of them had such major abandonment since like slash temporary like issues of feeling like they're only temporary. It was all very overplayed and I get it. They all think that they suck and the other two are going to run off and be happy together. Like all three of them. And Helen gets in on this train too, where she's like Patroclus and Achilles, like they're a unit. They're never going to like have me enter or whatever it is. And I think, I think I had an issue with it so much because this was a three POV book and it was like every chapter, they all kind of, in different ways, yeah. they all had abandonment issues in different. It um, became a little redundant after a while. I was just like, by the end of it, I'm like, will you guys just talk about the fact that you think that the other two are going to run off and just like shoot that in the leg? Because it's obviously like, that's not going to happen. It was just very over. I was just every chapter I was dealing with it. And I was like, I get it. That fear is very real and very valid and very valid. But I think it was just too much because all three of them. Yeah. By the end, I was like, thank God that they won't have this issue anymore, though. Jesus. I wanted more with Atalanta, Hermes, and Dionysus. There were some pretty big characters in this book that didn't actually get the recognition that I thought they were going to. Yeah. Just as you know, like, Hermes and Dionysus have been in, like, our comic relief with the first two books. And it's like, I have an attachment with them. Yeah. And we saw them, like, twice. Maybe three and in times. The one, in the one where they, like, sneak in to see um, Helen after the assassin attempt, assassination attempt, there is some kind of... Yeah. But then, like, they didn't sneak no. in after the yeah. second trial. And it's like, maybe if we got that, I don't know. And then I also did want to see more with Atalanta. Because, like... She was awesome. Yeah. So hopefully she makes an appearance in another book, because I, I really so. did like her. Yeah. And my last hate is... First of all, just hate Paris. I think Paris is my, like, number one bad guy in this book. I really, really don't like him. But I also thought that his, like, downfall was too quick. Yeah. And very anticlimactic. Like, because in the chapter that she beats Paris in the tournament, it's still an Achilles point of view. And I think once Achilles goes down, it's only maybe a page, page and a half of writing until Helen is announced winner. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought, you know, Paris was such this bad, like, he was such a bad guy to Helen. I know, it would have so been much. nice to, like, have, like, a final face-off where then Helen gets to be the victor, like, in a verbal confrontation. Yeah, yeah I just, I'm glad that Helen, him and Helen, I'm glad it came down to them, too. Like, I'm glad that it was Paris and Helen at the very last, because I think that she needed to get over and kind of take him down. But I kind of was let down. I wanted, like, one final, like, F you yeah. to him. Yeah. And then my last hate is very petty and has absolutely nothing to do with the story. I think you probably know what it is. <laughs> Since we pre-ordered the books, they were obviously mailed to us. My copy, my copy too. was misprinted in a very strange way. Like a lot of the chapters are like slightly skewed. Slightly crooked. Where you're not going to notice it. Until you start reading it, and then it's just, like, at this angle, at this angle, and it started to give me a headache. Thankfully, I was able to exchange it out at Barnes & Noble's, and it was fine. But it was just... Okay, so the, the book that you replaced it with was fine. Yeah. Okay, so 
because then I went to, I, I probably looked like a crazy person because then I'm in Barnes and Nobles, like flipping through all of their copies of Wicked Beauty just to make sure that like, like you're I'm not tripping. <laughs> yeah. And I love to reread these books. Yeah. Like, you know, we've read Neon Gods like four times. Yeah. We've read Electric Idol two or three times. Yeah. All right. Favorite sex scene and favorite tense. So my favorite sex scene was the group Shower to Bed. Oh, 100% same. 100%. A close second would be the first time that they all three like have yeah. sex. But my number one would be the shower to bed. And my favorite tension moment is when Helen propositioned Patroclus after leaving Athena's office to announce herself as a candidate. I just really liked seeing her come on to him. You know, I think my favorite um, tension-y scene was the first kind of like oral sex scene we get with Patroclus and Achilles. I think I'm going to go with that one. That's a good one, too. Because they're also cute. Like, they're bands and stuff. I'm just like, mm, I love it. I just really, I, I enjoyed seeing the, I like the that, female though. be the aggressor. Oh, yeah. I liked, I liked Helen. Because something that about Helen, too, is, you know, she was born in this life. She was this princess. This, you know, she lives in this gilded cage, almost. But she was also kind of the partier. She's the party girl. She's the girl who's, like, promiscuous a little bit, doesn't really care, like, just a little bit wild. Yep. And so, like, seeing her, like, proposition... Patroclus. Patroclus like that... It was great. It was great. Because I'm like, this girl knows what she's doing. Like, you can tell that she knows what she's doing and knows what she wants and how to get it. it. Both of them... And then it was funny for her to then get turned down. But, like, he did it really nicely. He was like, sorry. (laughs) Casting. Casting calls. I'm so excited for this. Me too. I also changed my Helen. I don't know if you looked, but I changed. I didn't. Okay, good. All right. So for this episode, we're doing a larger casting. We are. There were a lot of characters we wanted to cover. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, we have three people in the relationship, so got That's normally how many we do. (laughs) So we got to do them. So we're going to be casting Helen, Achilles, Patroclus, and we really liked Atalanta, so we wanted to cast her, and Athena and Paris. You got to cast a villain, and then I don't think Athena's getting a book. So it was like, and she was... She was a big part of this. She was a hitter here, so... Yeah. yeah. We're casting six people. Let's get it. I'm so excited. So my Helen, I had originally casted Anna Kendrick, but I went back because I wasn't totally happy with that. And I decided that I want to go with a young Catherine Zeta-Jones. Ooh. Like, First of all, she's yeah. still beautiful. Still beautiful. Now. Back in the day. Freaking bombshell. Bombshell. Like that, like, yeah, she would, like, people would go to war for her, I think. I think so. <laughs> On beauty. Yeah. So I went with a young Catherine Zeta-Jones. Who did you go for? From my Helen, I went with Margot Robbie. It's a good one. I think people would go to war for her. I think Margot Robbie, yeah. She definitely, I think, is on the trend of, like, Helen of Troy beauty. Yeah. For sure. Achilles. Want to do our little meathead fuck boy? Yeah. So for my Achilles, I went with Ricky Whittle. He is on the 100. Forget what his name is on the show, but he plays like Octavia's love interest at some point. And he's just like, he's doing it for me. He's ripped. He's big, meatheady looking esque mm-hmm. warrior. And he also played a warrior in the 100. Love it. So, Ricky. Good choice. Who's your Achilles? My Achilles is Shamar Moore. Oh, that's a good one too. And then, I thought about him. And I was also thinking of, like, the bants that he had with Penelope <gasps> in Criminal Minds. Yes. Oh. And him and Margaret Robbie could definitely have bants like that. 
Oh, I love that. And you know, he's ripped, muscly. Beautiful. Beautiful. Warrior. Mm. Yeah. So for my Patroclus, I also took some liberties. <laughs> and I went with a young Tom Hardy. I mean, Tom Hardy now is also... I mean, Tom Hardy now is just beautiful as well. But, like, when he was younger, like, he definitely, I don't know, he's giving me, like, his lips. He has some full-ass lips. And when I think of, like, Greek mythology, like, all the statues, they always have really great lips and stuff. <laughs> like, he looks like a freaking statue, like a Greek statue. So, yeah. Who did you go with? My Patroclus, I went with Darren and Chris from Glee. Interesting. I like that. That's a good choice. Cause I don't know. He gives me, like, that. He's still built, but... Patroclus is a little bit leaner, and then the smartiness, it's like Darren Chris kind of has like that nerdy yeah. look a little bit, but still like good looking, athletic, and athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wanna move on to Atalanta? Mm-hmm. So for my Atalanta, I chose Tessa Thompson. Great choice. Yeah. I mean, even because even the description of Atalanta, she has like dreads. Like they mentioned that she has like braids. And I mean, Tessa Thompson just, she was the person who I. As soon as I was introduced to this character, she instantly came to mind. Yep, and she's already done, like, you know, badass Valkyrie for Marvel. Yeah, and she kills it. Mm-hmm. I like her as an actress. My choice for Atalanta is Kiki Palmer. That's a good one, too. I think that they have similar, like, I could see. I feel like they have similar personality esques a little bit. But I could also see Kiki playing a warrior-esque-like character. Because mm-hmm. she's feisty. Yeah. Love her. Love that. So for Athena, our, goda- our goddess of wisdom, I want Angela Bassett. Phenomenal choice. I mean, you I can't mean, go wrong with Angela Bassett. And the freaking hor- uh, American Horror Story, she slays every role she has. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan. So who did you cast for Athena? Viola Davis. She was my second. It was, I was torn between. So I'm glad you chose her. Another just strong woman. Character. Yeah. <laughs> or person. I mean, she's not a character. But yeah, she is, she kills it in Marvel. I mean, she, and she plays that type of role mm-hmm. well. That like, like, I wouldn't want to fuck with her. Yeah, no. Like, and last but not least, lovely freaking Paris. I casted a younger Chase Crawford. I'm thinking like Nate Archibald, Chase Crawford. Because Chase Crawford now is a little bit like scruffier. Yeah. And Paris, I'm picturing baby smooth face, just like pretty boy, like Nate Archibald. Who's your Paris? Kind of the same veins. Adam Brody. That's a good one. And you know, Adam Brody can play a character who you just like don't like. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's good. I like that. And he like is good looking. He is good looking. So he, like he is good looking. But he also has a punchable face. He does have a punchable face. See, I casted Chase Crawford because as much as I want to punch Paris's face, is that the vibe that he gives off? I don't think so. I think that he's pretty good at fooling people. Yeah. Adam Brody is too, but, but I, I still, still like Adam. Adam. I mean, I, I still want to punch his face. Yeah. I mean, Nate Archibald's character, I, I want it to punch his face. That's true. The both good choices. Yeah. So those are our casting calls. Make sure to check those out on our Instagram, Emotions and Potions Pod. On TikTok, Emotions and Potions Pod. You'll see the full casting with pictures so you know exactly who we're talking about and what pictures we're thinking about when we're casting these characters. Some good visual representation. Yes. And then also, our last kind of segment is our, you know, song choices, and those will also be found on our Instagram, on our TikTok, and on our Spotify playlist, Emotions and Potions Pod. So we got a lot of stuff for you guys to look at if you're interested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We put way too much time and effort into this. 
but I'm not mad at it. Because <laughs> this is stuff we would do just by ourselves. By ourselves. <laughs> so at least now there's a purpose for our madness. Okay, Alex. What? I kind of went a little overboard. You warmed me about this. With my songs. Because remember when we first started doing the podcast, I would cast like eight people for one role. Mm-hmm. Now it's the songs. I couldn't just <laughs> choose like five. So I have five categories. Oh my goodness. Like our normal five. Yeah. But then I have two for each. All right. I just wanted to for like warn you. Appreciate it. That, you know, I'm being Ashton again, so... <laughs> In a different category, though. Yes. Changing it up. I'm, like, evolving to, like, reverse a little bit. Similar, so like, <laughs> but different. But similar. But similar. I'll start. Since this is book three, I kind of found a song that so far I think sums up the entire series really well. Okay. And I just wanted to give it, like, an honorable mention, which is Youngblood Parents. All right. Because just reading about all of the shitty parents... And within the 13, I'm you know just what? like... You're not wrong. They're all terrible. Yeah. So I just thought that that was funny. I like that. So in my first category, which I chose just to kind of represent Helen, because Helen is a very big focal point. In all honesty, I think that this is Helen's book. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had to choose anyone... Helen. It's Helen. And so I chose two songs for her. I chose Unstoppable by Sia, and I chose Oh No by Marina. Marina and the Diamonds. And I just think that both of those songs sum it up. I also have a song for Helen. Ooh, what's yours? Mine is Give It Up uh, by Elizabeth Gillies and Ariana Grande from the Victorious show. I like that. I actually was jamming out to that song. And I was like, wow, this is actually a banger. There were a couple good songs on that show. There were. No, I like that for Helen, though. So my next category that I kind of went into was Helen and Paris's breakup and, like, his, like, abusive relationship because even though he's not a huge character, the trauma he inflicted on Helen, like, Carries over, yeah. So the two songs that I chose for that is Psychopath by Charlotte Lawrence, Nina Nisbet, and Sasha Alex Sloan, and Sweetheart by XYLO. Both of those songs, like, Psychopath is kind of being like, you think I'm crazy for not taking you back, but that makes you a psychopath because you're awful. And then Sweetheart is kind of being like, I used to be your sweetheart, but, like, you ruined me because you did exactly what you said you wouldn't do and no one is going to make that mistake on me again and like I'm no one's sweetheart anymore love do you have a Paris ex I don't <gasps> you don't I don't okay so what what other um themes do you have for songs I have a song for Patroclus just Patroclus just Patroclus okay what is that let me down easy by gang of youths what does that song kind of... It's like, you want someone who wants you for who you are. I just feel like this song is kind of like glimpse into Patroclus's mind throughout the whole... So kind of his insecurities, what he's looking for, what he wants, with probably both Achilles and Helen. Mm-hmm. And then also okay. just kind of like himself, too. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So I did not have just a Patroclus song. I didn't have just an uh, Achilles song either. I only had an I Helen. Do. Okay. So my next category is... My sexy time songs for Helen, Achilles, and Patroclus. And those are Bad Chick by Somo and Body Say by Demi Lovato. Nice one. So I really liked Bad Chick because the chorus is very much talking about, like, the appearance of said girl, of whoever they're talking about, being, like, she bad. Like, she got hips, she got ass, she got boobs, she flaunting it, she hot, whatever. But if you actually listen to the verses... verses he actually starts talking about, like, how she's 
also like very smart, like intellectually, like it's not based on solely looks. And Helen is looks, but she also has brain. She's very smart. And then Body Say, like that's just like a sexy song. Like if I had it my way, I would take you down. Like, come on. And just like the whole vibe of it. Uh, kind of piggyback off of that. I have a song for threesomes. Okay. Three. By Britney. <laughs> One, two, two three. three. Not only you and me. 180 degrees and we're caught in between. Yeah, that is, that's a great threesome song. I don't <laughs> think there really needs much said about it. <laughs> I have a song just for Achilles. And it's Achilles Heel by Mute Math. Yeah, I like that too. And it's kind of, you know, a little bit with the nods to Achilles in the tournament as well. And like his dream. So my next category is Achilles, Patroclus, and Helen, not sexy time songs. And those include It's Complicated by Fitz and the Tantrum and Temporary Love by The Brinks. Specifically Temporary Love, it was just so much of that in the book. All of them thinking that they're temporary placements. You're not wrong. Even though it's a great choice. I know it's a great song and I like the song. And I thought that it needed to be touched on, but I hated it in the book. <laughs> I get it. I mean, you got to soundtrack it, right? Yes. I also did only one song for Achilles and Patroclus. And that is In Case You Don't Live Forever by, by Ben Platt. It is a sweet ass song. Yeah. And it's just like, and I could see them, like that being their wedding song. Like if they ever got married... That, that is, would be their song. Yes, because I'm just like, oh my god, this is so them. Because I could see it from both Achilles' point of view and Patroclus's point of view. I have a song for the trio, always looking out for each other in the tournament. Angel with a Shotgun by The Cab. You like The Cab. You bring them up a few times in our pods. They have some really good music, though. Yeah. But no, I like that. And I like that it's what your kind of theme. I think it matches up. I don't mean to put a lot of The Cab in there. It just happens. Oh, well, who cares? Love it. But I like the gap, so fuck it. Yeah, seriously. And then my last song is just kind of an overall book song. And this was one of the ones, and this was one of the ones you put on the playlist. Want It Bad by Kid Cudi with Nigo. I was thinking about including that one, but I was like, I already have 10 songs. Can't. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. I picked it for you. I like that song because it's just all about wanting something. Yep. And And wanting it bad. Yeah, they want it bad. They want that Aries position bad. And they want each other bad. Just an overall book vibe yes i love it yeah no the like the so playlist hard. is so good and i know we've been saying that every episode but i but feel they like are. they keep getting better as we keep going on and i just i kind of dig every single one of them yeah and it's like I they're very mood playlists yes. but that's what i love yes and it. like with our playlists it's something that we kind of start when we begin a book and we'll add songs as we're reading as inspiration sparks us as we come across something we'll just like add it to the playlist they're at for, they're at forever growing like we can always yeah. go back and add more songs to and any sometimes playlist. i do as i come across a song i'm like same. oh boop. same but like with this episode and playlist i was listening to it prepping and on my way over here like today i've been listening to it and it is just a vibe and i think i just get a little bit too obsessive when i'm reading a book because now that we're done with Wicked uh, Beauty, I probably won't really think about this book for a while. But, like, when I'm in a book, and, like, especially a book that we're doing for the pod, I get, like, obsessive. Same. Although I will say some of our playlists I do go back and listen to, even oh, without. I mean, me too. But, like, I get really into. I get really into our casting and our music and our, like, collages. 
we get lost in the sauce on a we lot of do. things. We do. It's bad. But make sure you check out this playlist. Follow this playlist. Follow our other playlists, Emotions and Potions Pod. It's on, on Spotify. Spotify. And it's linked in all the things. Yes. All right. So let's get into the very last segment, the ratings and the final letter. Okay. So my spice, I gave it a 4.2 out of 5. I think this was a pretty spicy book. It was. I give it a 4 or 5. I mean, you get a lot of sex. Different types of sex. Variety. But nothing super kinky. Mm-mm. Like, it's kind of straightforward a little bit. I mean, yes, it's a little more taboo-y with, like, you know. Male on male, female. Yeah. Right. But as I far didn't think as that, that was that bad. Like, we've read no. so many reverse harems. We've read so many things where there's multiple dicks flying around. But as far as, like, the positions they were in and stuff, nothing was, like, out of the... There's no public play. Yeah. Like, a lot of the other books involve that. Yeah. But it was still spicy, and there was oh, yeah, still a lot of it. It's still smutty and fan-freaking-tastic, but I'm not going to give it a five. Okay. It's a four no, for me. I feel that. And my overall ranking, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. What about you? An eight. An eight? Eight out of 10. Okay, so Alex, the last thing we have to do, is it a love or a hate letter? Wicked Beauty, Katie Robert. It's a love letter. Love? Yeah. Yeah. This series is just so good. And it switched things up enough. There were some issues, you know, there were a few little issues I had with it. But it's a great standalone book. It's a great continuation for the series. I would reread this. Okay, yeah, that's love letter for you then. So I'm a little torn. I feel like you're going to go hate. <sighs> I know. I think I am leaning towards a soft hate only because when I'm thinking about this, it's so hard for me because I, do, I don't want to give it a hate because I, I do really, really enjoy this book and I enjoyed reading it. But compared to the first two, I just thought Electric Idol was so strong that like this one, it kind of just fell a little short for me. And also going along with by the end of the book, I really was annoyed with all three characters with their inner monologues about mm. their abandonment and like their temporary aspect issues that like it really started to annoy me more than I would want. Yeah. And see, it didn't it didn't bother me like it did you. I can I can see looking back. Oh, yeah, that does happen a lot. But it wasn't something that really stood out to you. Mm-mm. It definitely stood out to me, and I... Or it stood out, but it just didn't bother me. I was like, I get it. Right. I get it, too. And then also, it's like, you have to think this takes place over a week. It's like, yeah, you're going to do a lot of self-doubt within that time. So I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I can see why you'd be mad at it. Or why anyone would be mad at I it. I just kind of wish that Katie would, didn't give all three of them that kind of complex. Like, if it was really only Patroclus and Achilles, and Helen had her own shit that she was dealing with, that wasn't this fear of it being temporary, I think I would have been okay with it. But Helen also jumps on this bandwagon of, like, not thinking that it's going to be a temporary situation and or not being a um, permanent t- situation. I just kind of... You didn't like it. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I think as a series, I think that this book is going to be very instrumental in the rest of the series. And as mm-hmm. a series, I still give it a love. But I think just for me personally, I think I'm just going to have to go soft hate. Even though I hate, I hate to do this. I never want to give Katie a hate letter. Because I think all of her stuff is so good. <laughs> and I'm such a fan. But I just, I got to go with my gut. Hey, not all... Things are going to, you know, be winners. Yeah. And I think that, you know, with Electric Idol, as soon as I finished that book, I was like, I want to reread it. 
I didn't get that with this one. I'll probably reread it in a few months. But not as instantaneously as like Neon Gods and Electric Idol. Mm -mm. I I didn't get that. Oh my God. And so, and the fact that we've already done, this is our third Katie Robert book on the pod. Like I have to judge, like I have to try to be as fair, you know, when I'm, Yep. And so, yeah, soft hate for Ash. And it's a love for me. love for Alex. Because I think another thing that just really makes it a love for me is just the nods to the story of Helen of Troy. And it's just, like, just immaculate I mean, for that's me. why I struggle. Because I see all of this really, really good nods. And I see, and, like, the storyline I liked. Yeah. I loved the banter. I loved the characters. Obviously, I want to be Helen. Mm-hmm. Like, I want Achilles. And but sometimes Patrol there's just a boyfriend. certain thing that... Yeah. That can't. knocks it down, and yeah. you found yours, and that's okay. I'd still recommend it. I still really like it. I will still pre-order the next book. Yep, and <laughs> or the, whatever. It comes and this out. one is definitely necessary to further along the series. Yes. And I totally agree. And maybe I'll get more appreciation for it as the series continues. But Alex, I think we just completed another episode of Emotions and Potions: A Love Slash Hate Letter to Our Girl, Katie Robert, with Wicked Beauty. And the whole Dark Olympus series. We got seven more books to go. Oh, I'm so excited. Give me more. More, 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 more. More, 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 more. But definitely follow us, stream us, like us. All the things that are positive, please. Emotions and, thank and you. Potions Pod. If you literally Google that, you will find us. On a lot <laughs> of places. Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Linktree. Yes, Linktree. There's so many options. Or, you know, go to Instagram, click the link tree and then you know and then tappy tappy all the things but I'm Ashton I'm still Alex (laughs) and we will see you next week bye see ya